get my brother, my my man Justin on the phone. Justin is an expert. Bullshit. Hello. What's up, bro? What's going on? Man? All right. We are recording right now. Are you ready to oh. are you ready to get into everything that you are an expert in? Uh certainly. I don't know if I'm an expert, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes with these You are an expert to the common listener. All right. So, so first of all, let's let's. I'll let you introduce yourself because I don't want to give out more information than you want. Could you go ahead and introduce yourself, bro? Oh, my name is Justin Brown from Ohio, and I work in the cardiovascular field. I'm a cardiovascular technologist, and my national certifications are invasive cardiac specialist and cardiac sonographer. You and said you are a cardiovascular, what was the job title? Uh, cardiovascular technologist. It's a step up from technician. Uh, the difference is in degrees. Like uh, technicians typically don't have a degree, be it associates or bachelors, while technologists do. Nice, nice. Okay. So now, <clears throat> how, like um, a few of these questions I want to know about you first because you know, I haven't I haven't heard, I'm sure a lot of people also, unless they work in the medical field, don't know much about that job either. So, like, what, what made you get interested in that to even get into it? So, being in the Navy, I, a, lot of, a lot of the jobs you acquire are typically from an untraditional route. So, I can say from a military standpoint, when I was getting schools, I recognized they wouldn't allow me to do the job I was doing in the military as a civilian like when I retired or when I got out. So I looked at a, to schools that people who had my job in the military, which is a hospital corpsman or a medic working in hospitals, I looked at all the jobs that the, the Navy offered. And then I said, okay, well, we have electrical neurodiagnostic technician, a laboratory technician, so on and so forth. And um, cardiovascular technology was, like, interesting because in the military, it's known as one of the elites, the hardest school that the hospital corpsman have to offer. So one of your challenge, I looked at that. Then, literally a month later, I had a patient who had cardiac disease, and they had a heart attack in front of us, and I stood in the room trying to help us. Like, if I wasn't doing CPR, then I was doing nothing. And that, that sense of hopelessness and, and helplessness uh, led me to be more interested in cardiovascular. And so I put my paperwork together, and that's the Navy to send me to the school, and that's how I cardiovascular technologist nice so if somebody was a civilian trying to get into it you wouldn't know how to tell them how to get into it would you i, I would because sometimes we frequently uh, go to colleges around here that teach cardiovascular uh, technology and we go we do a few lectures so for someone who just graduated high school what they can do is look at different colleges that have uh, degree plans for cardiovascular technology um, it's not like tech schools or anything. It's just a degree plan. And so they'll take all the required courses and they'll graduate with a certificate. So they'll acquire an associate in cardiovascular technology, uh, te cardiovascular technology and studies, and then they'll be able to na take the national registry. 
all you need is a certification from uh, all you need is a certification from like a school, a recognized school, and then you can take your national registry. Meaning, a national registry will allow you to work in any state, or you need it anyway. Oh, well, a, a national registry will allow you to work in any state. If you want to do the job, you need that registry. Okay. 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 So, anybody interested in listening and interested in something like that, even if you're not coming out of high school, if you want to make a career change, you can get with me and I can link you up with my man's and he could probably tell you how to do it best if you do not feel like looking on the internet for it because the stuff is confusing. Now, what, what, let's just go through a, a day, a normal day as a cardiovascular technologist. What do you do? So a normal day, you're in the working operating rooms uh, because we do very delicate procedures on coronaries and heart valves. So we'll come in the morning and we'll meet as a team. It'll be someone telling us the type of procedures we have going for the day and the nurses that we'll have covering and also the surgeons that will uh, come and assist us if ever we need what we call a cardiac rescue, which I'll touch on a little later. So we will look at the patient's information inside of our system to see what kind of medications they're taking. The last time they ate, do they have family here with them, their prognosis being their health. Um, and we'll prepare our lab for them. So if we're going to see a patient because they've been having resting, shortness of breath, um, and they fit the criteria to come and see us, we'll create what we say a field. And that's just basically our surgical field. All the equipment we'll use for the procedure. We'll make our medication. Then we'll go up and see the patient, say hello to the family, explain to them what we'll do for them for the procedure and we'll bring them down to our operating room and perform the procedure. And we'll just do this over and over again. And some of the emergent things that occur, because if I, uh, we'll have a thing called a STEMI, which is ST-elevated myocardial infarction, commonly known as a heart attack. Say, so say it again, because it, say it again, because it broke up a little bit. Oh, okay, we say it's STEMI. Uh, and it's segment elevated myocardial infarction. It's an acronym. It's commonly known as a heart attack. So if we're doing a procedure, because we have three labs, we can operate at If we're currently doing a procedure, they'll call STEMI overhead, and we'll dispatch a team to go to the emergency department or wherever the STEMI is at and get as much history as we can on the patient to properly send the lab before them. And, and then one of our operating rooms will we'll be doing the emergency case while we'll also be conducting the scheduled plan case. And that's pretty much the day for cardiovascular technologists. Okay, quick question. So the way it sounds is you you deal with people who are pretty much who are in pretty much the worst conditions when it comes to their cardiovascular health, right? Yes. All right, what's what's the most common type of problems that you deal with or that you see in patients? Ooh, this is a heavy loaded question. So the majority of our patients have comorbidities which are different disease states that exacerbate uh, whatever type of coronary issues they could be having. And a lot of the times we see hyper, hyperlipidemia, diabetes mellitus, family history, and uh, family history of cardiac disease, like grandfather or parents dying at ages of like 50 or even 60 and below from heart attacks. Um, so those, those are the big ones. Diabetes, diabetes mellitus type 2, hyperlipidemia, and hypertension. And also smokers, 
long chronic smokers and patients with respiratory issues like COPD. Okay. Or chronic. Yeah. This this is the first time I heard some. So you said people with diabetes. That's causing yeah. what? What type of issues is that? What type of issues is that causing? Oh, the, the diabetes. Yeah, in the heart. What type of issues does it? How does it affect the heart? Ooh. So, <laughs> for some reason, and it's, it's beyond me, and I'm sure if anyone's curious, they can look this information up. But somehow, uh, the way that the body breaks down chemicals that naturally occur, or even the ones that occur from your food. It it is not broken down properly as it would in a healthy young adult or you know, any normal person, um, and also it affects the lining. Uh, what we the vessel is broken into three different segments. You have the inside, the media, and the external, or the intima, media, and external. And the inside of your vessels, you have these things. Endothelial cells. And oh, no, those you, you, just, you just broke up. You said inside the vessels, you have things called what? endothelial cells okay and what they're in charge of is distributing nutrients um and also like nitric oxide to help your vessel relax or open expand and patients who have diabetes mellitus for some reason they always have endothelial cell dysfunction so if your endothelial cells don't function properly your vessels won't expand and close properly so that means they're not going to pass nutrients or blood properly, and if it stays stagnant in there, it can help result in coronary disease. That's how clots build up. Mm. And pe- patients who have diabetes mellitus type 2 and uncontrolled, this is the worst for them. They actually statistically do worse with coronary intervention than I'm not on, very. Hold on, bro, you, you're breaking up. All right. Can you hear me? Yep. Okay, you said, I said people with type with di- two diabetes. That was the last thing we heard. Yeah, people with type two diabetes do significantly worse with coronary intervention than those who don't have diabetes uh, mellitus type who still come and see us. That's why a lot of patients with diabetes mellitus we we like to refer them for coronary artery bypass because they have a higher chance of survival with that. You can get the treatment from us, but you'll probably come and see us again in about five or six years for the same reason. Versus getting bypassed and not being seen for another 12 to 15 years. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, so the first, when when I first asked the question, what are the most common issues you see, right? And you gave me, I think you gave me about two or three, which sounded like diseases yeah. or disorders. What were those again? Hyperlipidemia. Okay. Hypertension. And what causes yeah. hyperlipidemia? It's diet. Poor diet. Poor diet. Uh, either, either family histories to where you're just subjected to to your ancestors, and that's just the part of your body you have to deal with. Like you know, like uh, people who are anemic, right? <laughs> it's just like that. But hyperlipidemia is typically because the patient's diet. They don't diet well. They don't exercise. That's the result of those two being combined together. You can get a state of hyperlipidemia. And what does that? Uh how would a patient recognize that symptom? Or is that something only a doctor could diagnose? Only the person, the person would only feel pain? Or what would, it, what would a person feel if they had that? 
I see, I don't, I, honestly, I don't know because majority of the time they're accompanied with so many other things, it's hard yeah. to distinguish. Is it your hyperlipidemia? Is it? But that is something that has to be diagnosed and it's normally done from blood. So you get your blood and lab will run an analysis on it. And from there, they can judge if you have hyperlipidemia. I would give a, a range, but your the normal range is based off the reason you're in. And that sounds extremely strange. There's no like national. This is the number to be with that. So the numbers in Texas are different from the ones in Ohio, which are different from the ones in like Wyoming. They're not too far off from one another, though. But that's how we can tell if you have hyperlipidemia. But people who are overweight, nine out of ten times will have hyperlipidemia. Really? Yeah, lipids. Which is fat, right. hyper, which is excessive amount. So uh, too much fat, too much fat yeah. in the arteries. For the for the simple man, yes, <laughs> too <Okay>. much fat. <laughs> okay, okay, hyperlipid. I thought I heard the word lipid in there, but I couldn't tell if I was just making it a word that I was rec- uh, familiar with. Okay, so okay. it was that. All right, and then okay, hypertension. Now, when I think yeah. hypertension, I'm thinking high sodium in in the diet. But what? How would you break it down as a professional? Yeah, so high high sodium could be could be it. Uh, hypertension could be the many different things, and high sodium is what you don't normally see. Like that's why, like, in my family, African American, we all have like hypertension, right? Like everyone in my like a lot of people in my family have hypertension, and their and their sodium intake is extremely high as well. And that's one of the things we get tell people to do is lower the sodium when they have hypertension. And hypertension can result from your heart muscles being extremely thickened. And now it's so much muscle when your heart squeezes that it causes the blood pressure to be a lot higher because there's more more force behind your contraction. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's the one way that hypertension can occur. Also, a lot of fluid intake. You have a lot a lot of excess fluid in your body because of the hyperlipidemia and because of renal failure. The, the secondaries from the primary disease. So these are the secondary disease state from a primary disease. So. Uh, yeah, that's the sodium intake, uh, excessive fluid in the body, uh, and what we say hypertrophic mm-hmm. cardiomyopathies can cause you to have hypertension. Okay, so hypertension sounds like uh, uh, it sounds like a symptom instead of a, a, a standalone disease or whatever. That's what it sounds like the way you describe it. It can be secondary. Uh, it's not. It's not a, okay, so it would be. I'm saying symptom, but I guess it would be secondary. You get you get this because you have that. Yeah, it's a body's like a like a machine. It's all one use. It's like one pump for a bunch of tubes, and so if you have a lot of pressure in those tubes, it's probably resulting from the pump or some other disease state. Got it. Like a hydraulic system. Got it. Okay, okay, hyper. T- so now. Would if, let's say we we, we want to avoid these things, right? What is the biggest thing that you would tell somebody contributes to these issues? Or if somebody does not have these issues, what type of lifestyle things do they do they um what type of lifestyle behaviors do they have to keep them away from heart issues? Okay, um, so <laughs> a big one is staying away from cigarettes, right? Cigarettes. Stand away. Cigarettes, yeah. Okay. Foods as well. Um, but it's, it's, it boils down to nutrition and fitness. Mm. And America, some of the things that are commonly ignored. You know, uh, but I think if you eat properly, 
and you exercise properly, and meaning like get your cardio in, go run around, go lift some weights, and when you eat, eat your fruits, vegetables, your grains, ensuring that you have a well-balanced diet, you will push off coronary artery disease significantly. If, if anything, you won't have severe um, coronary artery disease. Um, so the majority of the patients that, you know, who we believe has, uh, like, heart discomfort due to coronary disease, and we bring them to our lab, and we'll look at the coronaries, and there's none. You ask them, and they say, yeah, I bike three miles a day. I, I swim once a week. I make sure I, wa- I walk two miles a day, or, you know, I still do my push-ups like I'm in the military, whatever that may be. Mm-hmm. And it boils down to eating properly, exercising uh, three to four times a week, and try not to <laughs> try to have a lower amount of stress, which is one of the most difficult to avoid. But stress can contribute to coronary artery disease. Okay. Now, let's break that word down because it comes up a lot. We hear it a lot on commercials, and we just hear it a lot. The word coronary means what exactly in layman's terms? Okay. It's the vessel that feeds your heart muscle, like arteries that oxygen-rich blood to your the muscles of your heart so your your heart can still function properly. That's what coronary is. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. So it's, it's, that's why we hear it so much when it comes to heart health because it's mm-hmm. a major component. Okay. All right, so, you know, what would you, what would you in summation of all of this, what, would, what do people need to know about heart health? Let's just say they have not exercised properly and they have not dieted properly. What do they need to know going forward to fix this or seek help? So, um, it's not having not done uh, any exercising or eating properly. I would quickly change that, like, as quick as possible. Though they feel fine today and even tomorrow, or let's say for the next month or next year, slowly slowly, the disease is building up in their coronary. And once it's there, the only way to get rid of it is by coming to see us. Mm. And hopefully, it's not too severe, just because you don't feel anything today. And also, let me add, that the disease state doesn't affect one coronary at a time. It can do three at a time. It can do four. It can do as many as it will. And we won't know how many are affected until you come and see us. So that's why sometimes people get quadruple bypass, triple bypass, because of severity. Um, and so quickly, change your diet. Get out and exercise. Learn more about cardiovascular disease and who it affects because African American, the things that you do, it affects you differently if you're Caucasian. It affects you differently if you're Asian. Statistically, people are uh, um, African Americans are prone to cardiac disease at a significantly higher higher number than any other race. So, <laughs> and I, I don't know why that is, but yeah, that's my summation. Get out and exercise. Learn a little bit more about coronary disease and learn more about your family. You come to find out if your your uncle died from it or your grandmother died from it, you might wanna you might wanna start paying a little bit more attention to it. Right, right. And I think that's a good word right there. A good piece. A good piece right there because uh and again, anybody listening, if some of this stuff uh is a little bit complex and intimidating, hit me up. I will definitely uh, I could put it in in more common man's terms than my than my guy. He does this every day, so he's like a professional. He's using a lot of words that he would use at work. Maybe I can I can break it down for you, or I can point you in the right direction if it's a little bit confusing for now. But the biggest thing I like that you said just now was sometimes you won't feel it. 
you don't know until you get to a doctor, then they tell you how severe it really is. So for those people, just because you do not feel anything yet does not mean disease is not forming or, you know, working, doing what it's, what it, what it's about to do. It's getting ready to do you in, you know, in, in so many words. Now, I appreciate you for, for letting my listeners hear a good word from you about the about cardio health, man. Man, no problem. Thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And by the way, y'all, this is like my little brother right here. I'm talking to we talking to him. I'm talking to him like I just found him on the internet and asked him some questions, but not. Nah, we go back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like wave caps in ninety five. So, you know, uh my guy's on here. He's a professional out there. Very proud of him. He's doing his thing. Uh, I'll get at y'all later. Peace out. Good looking, Justin. Yeah, no problem, man. Everyone have a good day. Yes, sir.